Hello and welcome to the weekly Investor Insights Call. Throughout the call, all participants will be in listen-only mode. And just to remind you, this conference call is being recorded. Today, I'm pleased to present Charles Prido and Philippe Lespinard. Please go ahead with your meeting. Thank you very much indeed, operator, and hello everyone. Thanks very much for uh, tuning in. For those of you listening to the podcast after the event, uh, thank you very much indeed also for downloading and listening. Um, so, as uh, the operator kindly said, delighted to be uh, joined this morning by Philippe. Um, Philippe, welcome again. Thank you. And um, uh, it's, it's timely that you're here because uh, probably the biggest, if I do a quick recap of um, events since last week, uh, the biggest event really was uh, FedSpeak, as it's colloquially referred to, um, where we had uh, Jerome Powell saying, um, the Fed is doing its job and the economy is doing really well. Uh, I'm very happy about the state of the economy now. Um, so it's uh, so a very clear statement of, uh, of, of confidence. Um, and we should talk a little bit about what that means, because, of course, actually against the backdrop, we've seen a bit of a rally both um, in the 10-year, uh, um, so that I think from memory it's about 304-ish yep. at the moment. Um, and then the two-year is 2.8, I think, there or thereabouts, um, but both slightly stronger on the week and what signal that's, um, that's telling us. Um, elsewhere, though, before we come back to the States, uh, in the Eurozone, we had uh, 3G, uh, quarter three GDP. And, of course, this is a backward-looking uh, data set. Um, and it was confirmed at 0.2% quarter on quarter. But, but uh, as we've been intimating a little bit on this call uh, in, um, in, in prior weeks, um, we had disappointing data out of Germany, uh, where German GDP actually contracted 0.2% quarter on quarter uh, for the first time uh, since um, uh, Q1 2015. Uh, and Azad has been writing uh, on, on that topic. Um, but I think that's interesting in terms of that sense of slowdown. And again, to link back to the Fed for a moment, um, Chairman Powell uh, alluding to uh, weaker conditions uh, overseas, which we'll come back to as a theme. Um, I'm afraid I have to mention um, Brexit. Um, so clearly, uh, we now have uh, the deal, the proposed deal, if I can put it like that, um, on the table. Um, and Prime Minister May has been putting that to uh, to her parliament um, and has been casting it at the Mao as my deal, um, uh, no deal, um, or no Brexit, um, which she put on the table uh, probably just to sort of stoke uh, further sentiment uh, behind trying to secure uh, her deal. Uh, exactly how this plays out, uh, of course, no one knows for certain, um, but we're uh, in the last phase of this game where uh, potential ratification by the uh, EU uh, later this week, I think on Sunday from memory, and then it's about what she can or can't get uh, through Parliament, certainly consensus at this point, and hence the slight weakness in sterling um, below the 130 threshold, uh, has been that uh, she won't get it through uh, Parliament, certainly at first go, um, and then we'll have to see what transpires from a political standpoint uh, thereafter. So net-net, uh, huge uncertainty still surrounding the UK and the trajectory of uh, the Brexit process. Okay, um, the final thing I would say, of course, is that we've seen um, weakness in, um, in equities, and particularly weakness overnight, uh, I speak on Tuesday, uh, overnight in the States uh, in the so-called FANG stocks, such that uh, the Facebook, Alphabet, Stroke, Googles, uh, Netflix, um, Apples of this world, 
um, that they are all now in bear market territory. That means uh, in excess of 20% off their recent uh, peaks. And Philippe, when we were chatting before, um, you, uh, you alluded, and I like this, you described Apple um, and the sort of sense of maybe cutting back production. Uh, so big is Apple these days and so influential that Apple's um, corporate pronouncements were, quote unquote, uh, a macro event in their own right. And then if I link that to um, the certainty um, that we now have post uh, the midterm elections in terms of um, uh, Trump perhaps having his hand stayed somewhat, uh, and then also the confidence uh, that uh, the Fed chairman was uh, describing, three key events. Um, uh, where does that leave us right now? And let's start, um, first of all, um, with your interpretation of uh, the Fed comments. Well, um, so Mr. Powell did, did say, of course, that the U.S. economy is doing great. And um, I think he uh, likes to start like this because he knows that Mr. Trump uh, listens to what he says and Mr. Trump um, wants the economy to do great. Um, but he did, not, he did not only say that. Um, he also said that he looked at conditions outside, particularly in emerging markets, um, and and he it's very clear from his discourse that... That's quite rare, isn't it? Because that's not formally part of the remit. It, it is not part of the remit. He did not obviously say... Um, well, you could say, say that two ways. You could say, look, ultimately, if if the Fed is the central bank for the world, because the dollar is the currency of the world, and therefore you feel he feels responsible for the state of the world as a whole, I wouldn't take it that way. I would take it the way that I think he said it very clearly, which is said that you know, 50% of global growth is outside, you know, is the emerging markets. Um, we've known that for a while. China used to be half on its own, but that's not the case anymore. But emerging markets as a whole represent half of global growth. And clearly, global conditions impact on U.S. conditions, on domestic conditions. And it's very clear that uh, more uh, the tightening on financial, con financial conditions, and particularly interest rates, uh, for starters, has had a big impact on emerging markets this year. Uh, he was not the only one to say this. Mr. Bernanke said it in 2013 when the, we had the famous temper tantrum uh, where emerging markets were, were you know, really damaged or, or at least challenged uh, heavily during that six-month period. And even at the time, the Fed had to back off their plans. Um, so it's not unique, but he did uh, acknowledge this. And we take that to mean uh, a couple of things. One, they will most likely tighten in December because the, the economy is doing great and you have all sorts of you know, uh, wage uh, wage pressures and so on uh, showing up, and therefore they need to respond and neutralize interest rates. But the the other thing is they're getting closer to neutral now, right? And they're starting to be more uh, reliant on what the data is telling them. And the data, as you pointed out, is a mixed bag. You have some good and you have some bad. And you know, you have two sectors, well, perhaps three sectors, uh, which have been, which seem to have reacted of late. Um, the first one was the housing sector, which has been now slowing for a while, and it's happening everywhere, including in the main cities of Europe and, and America and Asia now. Um, uh, not happening outside the cities, but certainly the big cities all have slowing housing markets um, quite noticeably. Um, uh, you had the auto sector, which for its own reasons, uh, mostly new emission standards so on, has, has had a big slowdown. And the impact that you talked about in Germany um, is, is, a big, is largely related to that. Um, you know, Germany 
Germany's strength is how big they are in the industrial sector, but its weaknesses, if the industrial sector slows down, they slow down. They're very exposed. Yeah. yeah. But it's, this one is temporary. And now you have the tech sector. Um, and so it's, it's, uh, it is, you know, when I, when I did say Apple is now a macro factor, it's such a large company, uh, you know, a trillion market cap before the sell-off. Um, uh, it has suppliers in every, on every continent. Uh, it is largely an integrated value chain globally. And it's just enough for them to say they might slow down their orders to have a tech sector set off globally. So, so Apple is now at a scale which makes it a global factor. So here we, it's sort of, therefore, it's classic late cycle stuff. Yep. So given what you've just described, um, let's get kind of nitty-gritty around positioning and thinking. So let's start with currencies. We've, this year we've seen um, dollar strength by and large. Given where we've got to, what's your position now on the dollar? So we changed our view a couple of weeks ago. Um, we Our view was that pretty much every news that was dollar positive was in the price. Um, stronger stronger growth in the U.S. than elsewhere, uh, you know, weaker emerging markets and everything else. Right. Weaker Europe, all the troubles in Brexit, Italy and everything else. And that was, you know, if you didn't know that, you, you were probably under a rock. Um, and our view was, you know, Mr. Powell basically gave us the clue that, Yes, they're going to tighten in, in in December, but they're much more ambivalent about what follows. Right. And therefore, you know, you're now in a situation where the dollar is quite expensive. It's, you know, it's the most uh, the most well known position. Um, it was a bit too popular. So we first, you know, went underweight dollars against emerging currencies because we thought that these were oversold, um, and then a bit against the euro. Um, now you could say Any specific EM currencies you want to call out. Yeah, Russia, South Africa, some of the most beaten up ones. Um, uh, our Asian colleagues have gone, uh, you know, having been long dollar against Asian currencies, are now have now flipped again um, the other way. So, you know, we're not saying it's a we're not going to go through, we're not we're going to go through a six month you know bear market in the dollar, um, but at the very least, uh, we are now have a turning point clearly in the right. currency. Right. And then from a rate standpoint, yeah, rates. Uh, so we've been. On average, neutral. Uh, our shorts been in the U.S., but we had longs elsewhere to compensate. Um, and now that the U.S. rates have rallied, uh, you know, we're thinking about you know, maybe this time to to go short um, uh, again. This is not a huge conviction story. I mean, um, yeah, it's looking at your face, which I have the benefit of doing, where <laughs> others listening don't. I can see that that's not your highest conviction view. I mean, if to press you at this, you know, it seems like we've got a bit of a range, right? So I, I called out yeah. where in whatever it is, three hundred four, three hundred five on the ten year. Best estimate at this point of the peak in the ten year for this cycle. Oh, our, our, our playbook is you know, we're, we're currently playing the range exactly. Right. Um, and and you know the worst that we can see the ten year going at right now, particularly after Mr. Powell's statement, is probably three and a half. It's not going to go any, any right. much much higher than that. But that's still a range worth trading. It's definitely a range worth yeah. trading. Obviously, you have to you can't really set your 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 strategy and forget right. You need to you need to be agile, and we see those mini trends, these mini cycles uh, within that range. So so we are training the range. Um, if our thesis is still intact, and we have our quarterly investment forum in two weeks' time, so we'll re-examine again our view that the global economy is in fact doing well. We're just going through one of these undulations in the cycle. Uh, we will be resetting our shorts. Um, but yes, not a like if you. You know, this isn't a super high conviction uh, trade, largely because of all these other things we've talked about. Um, you know, little cuts uh, in the global growth story, one after the other, right? Right. Housing, autos, tech. You know, that's 
quite a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, well, quite a lot when, when, again, as we were discussing earlier, this time last year, um, everyone was high-fiving because we had phenomenal global synchronized growth. And um, as I was chatting with, with um, uh, Alex Teller the last time I did one of these calls, a, a, an extraordinary lack of volatility in financial markets. And, of course, this year has been very different. Yes, and some of you might recall that what, what we said last year is, so lucky to everything is great. We got very defensive on credit um, uh, at the turn of the year. And um, what we are called was for higher volatility because we knew that financial conditions were tightening. And at some point, you know, that you, you know, the, these cycles always start the same. You tighten financial conditions and then the weakest, most leveraged players start going first. Um, and you know, this time it was Argentina and you know South Africa and Turkey. Yeah, and the weakest dominoes or the most exposed dominoes fall first. Exactly. Um, so therefore, let's call that the sequence. We've had we've had that pressure on emerging markets. Yeah. Um, that's been playing out. And and uh, and then uh, don't don't forget. Then we we had European high yield, which had obviously squeezed by the ECB buying investment grade and then yeah. tightened every spread. And that obviously, when the ECB program was coming to an end, uh, underperformed. And meanwhile, the last domino, which hadn't really moved, um, was U.S. U.S. high yield, which you know, for during all, this whole period, was outperforming every other asset class. Right. It was the favorite favorite short of everybody, favorite hedge, um, which obviously didn't work. And then all of a sudden, because the oil price starts starts falling, then you have, suddenly have U.S. high yield now selling off, and the and the U.S. high yield index is sold off by about 90 basis points from the from the lows, the CEX, if you look at the basket. So that's and a that's big your, move. your views that you've had for a while now being vindicated. Yep. Yeah. So um, volatility is now showing through everywhere. Right. Um, you, you had that um, uh, that that exposure, if you like, or the positioning in terms of anticipating weakness in uh, U.S. high yield for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we we had that as a as a as a hedge, and that wasn't really paying off at all. Um, it's actually quite painful for a while. Um, and now that it is working, uh, running it, um, or are you inclined to move? For, for now, for now, yet. But you, yes, but you know, again, we we're mindful that again we need to be agile. Uh, we can't just sit there and saying, great, you know, we've made uh, a few basis points. Um, the question is, uh, what's next? And and what's next in our view is the auto sector. The auto cycle is going to sort itself out because this is largely technical. Um, uh, emerging markets are now you know, clearly in a better better shape in our view, um, having been very cheap. Um, so it's it's likely that some of these uh, some of these hedges will have played their role, and now you we must start lifting them when you see more value. Right. Uh, we're certainly not calling for a recession. Um, I don't think our economic I think, I mean, team I mean, is is calling for. No, I mean I think I think soon. I think that's. Um, that sort of I've heard Keith mutter about it, but not uh, officially yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, a very interesting point to draw out, which is that with the volatility that we're seeing, some of the price adjustments that you've just described, um, it is it, it, it feels something to me like this late cycle phenomenon, and we're looking for that equilibrium um, to reestablish itself, and then um, you know markets can potentially make further progress. I'm talking risk assets here, make further progress as, as, as a bit more, which I think is something that Johanna has also uh, been mindful of. Yeah, the, the, absolutely. But the one thing that changes everything is if, if there's a prospect of recession coming up. Exactly. And, I, and I know Keith has been saying, look, 2020 is when a lot of the current stimulus, uh, you know, the tightening will have been over. And we know that higher interest rates have an impact 18 months Lying, down the line. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, clearly that's we're not there yet. 
the financial stimulus in the U.S. will start giving giving way to tightening because, of course, the deficit the deficit's horrendous um, and needs to be tackled at some point. And so he's he's playing that forward and saying, you know, all these good things will have come to an end, and then you'll have you'll go from four percent growth to three to two to one, and you know you may not have a recession recession as a negative growth, but you certainly will not be uh, growing above trend. Right. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, we'll see more tightness in wages, uh, you know, unemployment rate at three or, you know, or near there, there or thereabouts. Um, and there's a lot of tension in that in that system. And the Fed's starting to be, you know, not to have to navigate this, you know, this natural slowing of the economy without the stimulus um, uh, versus obviously uh, the fact that, uh, you know, wage inflation is going to be there for, for a while. Um, and they'll have to mitigate it, but they don't necessarily want to to, uh, to crush wages either. Now, there's one thing the U.S. Congress could agree on, um, uh, and I can think of one thing only, um, and it's about an infrastructure uh, rebuilding program, which right. President Trump, you know, put forward as one of his big plans. It's not been enacted, uh, but you know, there seems to be general consensus that's one thing they could all do. Um, now, you know, how that takes shape. Given the current deficit, I you know I can't say, but certainly the general willingness and measure them potentially out that if it comes yeah. to that that point. And and the thing to to remember is that in in America, uh, pretty much all infrastructure is publicly owned. It's not as in Europe; a lot of it is privately owned. So we could get companies spending. Um, in the U.S., it's all publicly owned. There's hardly any infrastructure that's uh, privately right. owned. So it is definitely a government sector, and that could be state, could be local, could be you know, municipal, whatever it is, um, and funded through the, the, the muni bond market, but it is largely a public uh, you know, thing. So you'll see the impact, obviously, because contractors have to work and you hire more people. But it's not like, um, it, it's not the same. It's, you can actually decide it at the state state level and get traction quickly. We'll get it done. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're sort of running short of time. So let me um, uh, briefly recap. Um, we've got these certainties in the sense of now being past the midterms, um, the Fed being very clear on what they're watching and uh, happy with the progress that their monetary tightening has created thus far. Um, and what I'm hearing you very clearly say is that that's uh, causing the team to be short-term, uh, more circumspect about the U.S. dollar, and therefore um, more inclined to invest in currencies outside the U.S. Um, and given the crushing that's taken place in the likes of Russia, South Africa and so on, including uh, those kind of EM currencies, which I think is very interesting and obviously very different from earlier in the year. Um, uh, secondly, again, against that background, um, uh, with the Treasury market having rallied somewhat, um, you're seeing that there's potentially an opportunity to sort of open up a bit of a, a short again, um, with the Treasury market being prospectively slightly uh, range bound. Think, think of sort of loose terms, uh, 3% uh, US 10-year yield. Uh, top end of the range at three and a half. And so that's something that the team is actively looking um, to exploit. Um, and um, and then likewise, um, with the high yield market now coming off, uh, a position that you've had for a while, but that's now being vindicated, uh, again, keeping a BDI, if I can use a technical term, um, on, uh, on when a potential re-entry point uh, could be for that. And then I think another key takeaway at this stage, uh, no recession um, being anticipated, um, but it's a kind of late cycle gear change moment, uh, which markets are adjusting to and being played out in the way that we've described. Um, and you're holding out, finally, uh, reminding us all that the one potential stimulus lever is still out there, 
which is potentially for infrastructure spending um, should a, a slower growth uh, trajectory uh, become more visible. Uh, and of course, um, if that becomes something that um, the president is concerned about in the run-up to his uh, prospective re-election in a couple of years' time. With that, Sidi, very kind. Thank you very much again. Really thank appreciate you. it. And thank you, everybody, again, for listening once more. And, Operator, that concludes today's call. This now concludes our conference call. Thank you all for attending. You may now disconnect your line.